Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Crothy. And I'm Hall Burkhart, buddy. Let me tell you what, after that last episode, we were getting ready to record this and I was getting myself a nice refreshing soda pop out of the fridge. And one of them special cookies was looking at me like, come on, come on, High Potion Podcast, come on. And I said, not today. No, I got I to gotta pull up out of that nosedive of that last episode. No, sir. So... We'll see. We'll see <laughs> if it makes a difference. <laughs> I thought that was a fun episode, for the record. Hey, what I can remember of it seemed like it was fun. I guess we'll see when uh, people hear it, I guess, tomorrow. We'll see what the reaction is. So, buddy, we got a fun episode today. We haven't we haven't returned to this bit yet, the second time we're doing it. Last time we did one of these, we pitted two important years in our lives against each other last time it was um the years we graduated high school which for you was 95 five yeah and i was 2001 and we knew we wanted to do it again right we knew we wanted to um pit two years against each other again and so we're trying to figure out like uh do we just pick two random years do we uh try to find something significant in our lives again and steve and i were talking on discord or on xbox or something and he goes you know what i I thought about it being oh let's do the years we lost our virginity but that's the same year as i graduated high school and i go yeah that's the same year for me too (laughs) (laughs) so that's right it would have just been 95 (laughs) versus 2001 again my man's lost his V card one year after Korn's debut album. Coincidence? I think I not. <laughs> I think not. So I I expect there to be uh, at least a a few, uh, a little bit fewer, a few. Uh, hmm, maybe I should have reconsidered how I came into this episode. <laughs> I don't know. I expect there to be fewer bits this episode, but who knows? Who knows? Um, so what we decided on was let's uh, compare the years we both moved to Birmingham against each other. And right. uh, the, those were big years because, uh, you know, kind of led our paths together eventually. Yeah. So yeah. I thought and it was important. 
So Steve moved to Birmingham in 2000. I moved here in 2007. So that's what we're doing today. 2000 versus 2007. Which year had the better lineup of video games? Um, and it's it's going to be interesting for a few reasons. Because, for instance, Steve's year, 2000, you're still... Um, you're still looking at the launch of the PlayStation 2 that year, right? But it comes out towards the end of the year. You're really not going to start seeing PlayStation 2 heavy hitters until, you know, a year or two down the road from its launch. There are some. Mine, however, 2007, there are so many goddamn consoles and platforms active in 2007 because you're looking at you know, the the first full year of the PlayStation 3's release, the second full year of the Xbox 360's release, there's still big shit coming out on the PlayStation 2. The Wii is kicking around. Uh, the PSP, the Nintendo DS, the Game Boy Advance has fucking shit still coming out on it in 2007. So there's a lot of platforms at play, way more than we have currently, right? Like, it's crazy how that has been pared down so much since from back in the day you know you've you've got your your nintendo your playstation your xbox and pc gaming that's pretty much the the predominant platforms currently um so i i think it's going to be interesting because i was not like when i went and looked at the list and was you know sort of trying to pull some highlights out i didn't realize how much stuff was still coming out on playstation 2 and it's big stuff Big, big stuff. Mm-hmm. So, it'll be interesting. Because the PlayStation 3's first year, not stellar. Not stellar. <clears throat> right. That was the the PlayStation 3, kind of, Sony kind of struggled with that generation. There were, Not that there wasn't, like, good games on it. But it was just kind of uh, probably their lowest point, I think. Probably. Yeah. As a company for video games. I would, I would say so. I mean, so... You know, it definitely pulled itself out of the mess it started in, you know. Um, But definitely the the lowest point as far as consoles go. go. I think you could probably also point to maybe the PlayStation Vita as a low point because at a certain point, Mm -hmm. they were just like, fuck it, we don't support this thing anymore, which is kind of a shame. But other than that, yeah, the PlayStation 3 had a tough launch and you know, eventually was able to claw its way back, had some excellent exclusives and stuff in its lifetime, but it took a little while. Definitely wasn't, definitely. you know, there there definitely wasn't a lot to hold up in the first year or so of the PlayStation 3's release and go, this is the reason you should have it. And I had one. I had one at launch, and it was a, <clears throat> it was a, uh, a rough go of it for a little while there. Um, and also, I think we're both... I, like I said, I haven't looked at the year 2000 list because I kind of wanted to be surprised. But I, I think we're both going to probably have like some interesting series that debut those years. Um, uh, I, I know at least I do. I have a couple that are big ones. Um, so that's cool too. Especially when you sit, sit around and think like, damn, that series has been around for 15 years already. <laughs> so, Right. Um, and then even longer in some cases. Yeah. In my, in my case. Mm-hmm. So um, I do have to say one thing, though. So, you know, last episode we were talking about all the Gamescom reveals. And I was like, ah, I haven't seen anything too crazy or too exciting. 
I completely betrayed my Sierra Online and Lucasfilm or LucasArts adventure game roots and didn't mention that Return to Monkey Island has a goddamn release date for next month. <laughs> That's crazy. Then The Last of Us Part 1 remake comes out Friday. This Well, it's already out by the time you guys are listening to this, so... Things are... Oh my gosh, that's that's out. That's coming out already. It's I September second. So. Yeah, I guess so. That's that's nuts, man. For yeah. some reason, I just always assumed that that was later in the year, but <laughs> we're kind of getting later in the year. I know this fucking <laughs> so... fucking nightmare of a year is finally about to be over. Twenty twenty three. You know, twenty three is my lucky number. Jack Shepard, what's up? Better fucking Let's come go. correct. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, um, twenty three is a big number for me too, man. I'm 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 expecting good things next year. I uh and I do want to tell one quick story. Uh and it, it it sort of it should clue our listeners into that like I live the bit. You know what I mean? I live, <laughs> I breathe the bit. If I know a bit that makes my friends laugh, I'm going to live that bit until they're like, "Okay, man, time to move on to a new bit." So last night I was driving back. I had the day off on Saturday. I was driving back and uh, it was sort of late at night and I was like, "Oh, I wonder if the dudes happen to be in Discord right now or if they're hanging out on Xbox. And I look at our Discord server, and sure enough, you and Nick are hanging out. So I pop in and talk to you guys. Then Will shows up. So I'm just talking to you guys on Discord while I'm driving home. And at a certain point, I'm like, oh, shit, I got to stop and get gas. And I go into the store because I want to get some caffeine. And I'm still on my earbuds talking to these dudes on Discord. And I'm like, you know what? Time to live the bit. So Steve, Nick, and Will got to hear me like talking to the lady as I was checking out. And she was like, um, do you need anything else? And I said, no, ma'am, just that sodi pop right there. And then I heard, I heard Steve go, sodi pop. And so I, had, I had quick grabbed my phone and muted them because I knew if I was going to continue the bit, they would make me laugh. And so the lady's <laughs> like, uh, how are you doing today? And I was like, I'm doing all right. You know, just new boot goofing. And she goes, all right, all right. <laughs> Well, I'm ready to get off, I, 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 and I just got here, and I was like, ah, that sucks, and I check out, and I'm leaving, and she's like, you have a good night, too, and I said, you have a good night, you keep new boot goofing, and she's like, okay, <laughs> and I unmute the thing, and I just hear these dudes laughing, so yeah, I lived the bit. That's right, that that random lady in the Georgia gas station was part of the part, a part of the bit last night actually she was she was uh, around the uh gadston area she was uh, alabama gadston. Oh, okay. i was so excited on my drive home this isn't a lie that i got a little lost uh and <laughs> didn't pay attention to my gps for a good mm, 15 20 minutes uh so yeah I, I ended up having to take a little bit of an extra route home last night <clears throat> all right so um let's go ahead and do our second um second uh year versus year that way we can have two in the bag by the time the sacred icon dudes decide to do their own version <laughs> i'm just kidding we love you guys I, just want to, I don't want that brian twitter smoke you know what i mean Steve? real nervous yeah man one day there's gonna be a sub tweet that isn't that sub talking about it Fucking talentless hack in a wheelchair that does a Star Wars and a video game podcast. And I'm going to say, oh, my Lord, I done pushed him too far. <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait to have him on the podcast. I know. We just got to figure out the right game. Yeah. 
that dude really likes Halo Five. Maybe whenever we get to Halo Five, we just get him to bring come here and sort of even out the negativity that you and you and I might have to offer. Yeah, at least as far <laughs> as the campaign goes. Um, I'll gush about the multiplayer for an hour though, if you let me. So why don't you kick things off, Steve? Why don't you start with the year two thousand? Let me know what you got on your list. All right, I'm going to kick it off, and I'm kicking it off with a thunderous shot. Uh-oh. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. Oh, my God. That might win you the whole thing, dude. That's a hell we'll of a game. See. It's a great game. Like, honestly, um, I was I was not a skateboarder growing up. Not yeah. that I disrespected, I had any sort of disrespect for skaters. I, I tried skating when I was a kid. I, I really... It looked fun, but I was just terrible at it. I didn't have the coordination to pull that stuff off. And I was also way too much of a wimp to launch myself at <clears throat> cement, like on a regular basis. So I generally stayed away from like any kind of skating video game. Uh, but somebody I worked with loaned me Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. And I was like, ah, screw it, I'm bored. I'll, I'll check it out. And then the next thing I knew, like four hours had gone by. Like I just was sucked in immediately and just having the time of my life playing this game it was so fun it reminds me of um, mario 64 in a way where it just kind of populates the levels with cool like goals that you have to accomplish and yeah. just kind of lets you go about doing them however you want it found, i really love that game it found the perfect mix of like simulation slash arcade fun for a game like that right you have those games like the skate games which are more I would say those are more sort of simulation and real physics based, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Tony Hawk games are a lot more arcadey, but they definitely, you know, they feature I mean they're they're very reverent obviously and and um stuff to the sport of skating. And then mm -hmm. the soundtracks like two oh my gosh, two yeah. specifically it it's one of those things where like I think a really good uh, comparison to a game that might be on your list later uh, is the SSX franchise. The first SSX mm -hmm. game comes out, and it is really fun. It's really good. It does for snowboarding what Tony Hawk Pro Skater did for skateboarding. Um, yeah, I would agree. It was really good. Really good first entry, but it really came into its own on the second one. And I feel the same way with... Um, Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk. I, I, I completely agree with you, man. Totally. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I went and searched out the first game. I loved the second one so much and played it. And while I liked it, it was not nearly as good to me as that second one. Yeah, the second one is is real good. And then, you know, in the last couple of years, we've had the we've had the uh, the ability to go and replay the first and second one with those remasters they did or remakes mm -hmm. and just as fun. Just as fucking fun, man. Um, it's, Heck yeah. Oh it's yeah. It, hold up. Yeah, it's a shame that it seems like that that studio was working on a three and four remake that got canceled when um, Activision Blizzard bought them or whatever. But that's that's such game. a shame to me. Yeah. yeah, like I would have loved a three and four remaster as well. Well, I I think two and three are probably my favorites. If I had to pick one of those two, it would be the second one. But I still would like to have three and four as well. They're good games too. 
Yeah. But uh, are are we gonna are we gonna alternate or no? Are we gonna I think just you should. With... I think you should just go through because then it doesn't get confusing for the listeners. They know. Okay, okay yeah, this is totally, Steve's year. This is Hall's totally, year. Totally. Makes sense to me. Um, I'll go ahead and say Perfect Dark came out this year. Um, which well, that was not necessarily a game that I played. I know the franchise was huge and a lot of people loved it. You know, that was Rare's follow up to GoldenEye. Yeah. And um, it it was a cool game. I watched a lot of my. I, my friends play a lot of it back in the college days, but uh, it was still fun to fun to see. Yeah, and, and you're you're talking about you ever... um, uh, sort of towards the end, right, of the '64's lifespan. Like it's a, a yep. later mm-hmm. release in the history of that system. It's a really good game. I I know this is probably blasphemy. I think it's a better game than GoldenEye. But it also appeals more to me because it's got sort of that sci-fi angle, and I'm not a big James Bond guy. Right. I, I think that I, I would agree from a technical standpoint, it's definitely a better game. But mm-hmm. GoldenEye just has that we all sitting in a room with your friends and kicking each other's ass nostalgia that yep. I didn't have with Perfect Dark, you know. Mm-hmm. So another game that came out this year, RIP NFL 2K1. Oh, my um, God. One of my favorite football games of all time on the Sega Dreamcast. I got, I remember getting that game with the Dreamcast when I bought it, not as a like package deal, but just right. I was like buying a system. I'm going to buy a game too, and came home and played it. And I was like, man, this game is so much better than Madden. And somehow it just lost the license to have NFL players and teams, and that was all she wrote for the NFL 2K franchise. The NFL but... 2K franchise was so fun. That's probably, honestly, the last time I've been into NFL-based football games. I got into the NCAA ones, like on the 360 and stuff a little bit. But as far as NFL, 2K series was where it was at. Specifically that one right there, buddy. Man, playing mm-hmm. that on the Dreamcast was fucking sick and having the vmu in the controller where you could pick your plays on that instead of picking it on screen where the guy you're playing against can see him game changer yeah it's amazing to me and i'm not sure about this fact that i'm about to throw but i think i am i feel like 2k1 was the the game that introduced like the first person mode where you could play through uh the whole game basically looking through the the eyes of like the running back or the receiver, and it was really kind of neat. Obviously, it wasn't like something you could hang your hat on, but it no. was a cool little thing to throw in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Moving on, um, we had Baldur's Gate Two oh come out this God. this year. A banger, which was a banger. Yeah, like uh, as far as like a PC RPG, mm-hmm. you know, kind of top down, uh, party based. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. Bioware indeed. Um, I played a ton of this game, but never beat it. Did you? I don't think I ever beat it too, and I played it. You know, honestly, I don't know that I beat either the first or second second Baldur's Gate, and I put a ton of time into both of them. Massive fucking yeah. games, games that are still influencing games to this day. Like Baldur's Gate uh, influenced Dragon Age from Bioware. Mm-hmm. Later on, when when Bioware wasn't using the D and D license, they started their own fantasy. RPG in the same vein, and that was that's where the Dragon Age franchise come came from. And now you have games like um, uh, there's two really big ones: uh, Divinity, mm-hmm. Original Sin, yep, one and two. And then there was another one um, that was done by 
I'm gonna say obsidian. Oh, I know. Pillar. I of... know the game you're talking about. Yeah, pillars, not pillars of divinity. We just said divinity, but it's something like that. Yeah, I'm having a hard time recalling. But yeah, I mean, a game series that's still influencing games that we're seeing today. Incredible fucking games. I've often thought about getting those sort of remasters that they have on the consoles. I just don't know, like. Will they hold up as well as I... Th is that one of those things is better left in my head? Like, as nostalgia and not ruin it by trying to play it again on a console? We'll see. I feel the same way. I kind of feel the same way. Um, another great RPG... Well, uh, you know, it's been held up through the years as great. I've never personally played this game, but The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask oh. also came out in 2000. <laughs> Amazing, buddy. God damn. You've got a banger of a year. We were talking before, and Steve was like, I think you're going to destroy me on this. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Majora's Mask, um, an incredible follow-up follow up to... Uh, Ocarina of Time, right? Yep. Yep. Real creepy. Uh, they, like, one of the closest, I would say, to a Zelda horror game, right? And it, it this, this is a game that does a really good job of building up anxiety because you're on this cycle where the world ends every few days, right? So you have to go back in time and you have to complete stuff in a certain amount of time to keep from, um, to get it all done before the world ends. And it's, it's something, it is really good. It's really good. One of, in my opinion, maybe I'll get clowned on for this. One of the harder Zelda games too. Nice. Yeah, I, I really feel like I'm missing the Zelda um, piece of my gaming history, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I pretty much stopped with A Link to the Past, and which I fucking loved, but I just, I didn't game on the 64. I never had one. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, <clears throat> it just kind of never, never happened again, like the 40-year-old virgin. <laughs> but, um, okay, uh, let's move on. I'll, uh, here's one that I was pretty happy with, Final Fantasy IX. Oh. Yep. Yep. That came out uh, late was November that year. Yep. Came out the s same month as the PlayStation 2. I played Final Fantasy 9 on the PlayStation 2. That's how oh, okay. it came I, pl out. I played it on the I played it on the one. <laughs> Final Fantasy but, 9 yeah. is an incredible game. Like, you know, I've talked about sort of my disappointments uh, when Final Fantasy 8 was out sort of at the time it came out and how like I really wanted to like it, especially after, you know, final fantasy six VI and seven and final fantasy four, the games I've played leading up to that. And, you know, eight just never really did it for me. It's a game I need to go back and check out sometime if I ever have the time to do something like that. But nine, nine is something special. Nine was them going back to the more classic fantasy roots of Final Fantasy because it seemed like, you know, 6 started this almost steampunk slash cyberpunk sci-fi fantasy style storytelling that, that they still, you know, fuck around with quite a bit in Final Fantasy. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and then That's obviously that... Trademark. Yeah, that even went further with 7 and 8 and then 9 was them going back to that and it's a really good game. It's got some incredible characters in it. The story is really good and sad it's a sad ass story in that game um mm -hmm. yeah i i definitely preferred nine to eight 
um, as well. I was I was on the crew that was a little disappointed with eight coming off seven, which I know is not fair in retrospect. But at the time when you're in it, you know, and mm-hmm. you're and you've just played like one of the greatest video games of all time. Yeah, ask Final Wesley Fantasy about seven. it. Ask bully ass Wesley. <laughs> it's tough to it's tough to follow a game like that up, you know, no yeah. matter who you are. So um, also that year was Chrono Cross which I was going to ask you about because I didn't play much Chrono Cross, if any. I don't think I played it at all. I will say this. Chrono Cross, also an incredible game. Hard to live up to the legacy of Chrono Trigger. I think it comes pretty fucking close. It has an insane amount of optional party members you can get. The score in Chrono Cross is one of the best scores in video game history. Ooh, it is incredible. It's a high bar. Yeah, it is incredible. Um, a really interesting approach to doing a quote-unquote sequel to such a beloved game like Chrono Trigger because it, it definitely is a sequel. It definitely references events, but it's not like, okay, here's all your friends you knew from Chrono Trigger. Here's Chrono and Robo and fucking Merle right. and shit. So a really interesting... Um, approach to making a follow-up to that game and i have no idea why there was only two entries in that series and we have not seen shit since it is baffling yeah, kind, to of, me. kind of bizarre and i think i'm reading here that somebody who, who was involved in xenogears also worked on uh on that game or maybe it was the same guy the creator of chrono trigger and xenogears maybe it was the same guy um, so I don't think it's the same guy because the the guy who created Xeno Gears, um, uh, you know, he went on to help found Monolith, which made the Xeno Saga games and now makes like the Xeno. What are the fucking ones that come out on the Switch and shit? They're awesome. Why can't I remember the name? <laughs> Is uh, it Xeno, Xenoblade? Z- like Xenoblades? Xenoblade. Yeah, I um, yeah. So. Uh, and the thing, the magical fucking sauce of Chrono Trigger was the creative team, which included Akira Toriyama, right? The guy from Dragon Ball. Right. And mm-hmm. also Dragon, uh, are you fucking, Dragon Quest. Are you fucking kidding me? <clears throat> um, so I don't know, man. I just don't know why we haven't gotten more entries in that series. Cause I think they're both very good. I do. I know I'm pretty sure it's the uh, hardcore JRPG uh, opinion that uh, JRPG opinion fan opinion that Chrono Cross is maybe the better game. I disagree. I think Trigger's better, but Chrono Cross is pretty amazing. Okay, so next uh, is a game that I played and enjoyed. And I think it's looking at the list, they have it called something else. So it may have released as some, this name in Japan and changed the name to America. But it says Jet Grind Radio, oh. which I think we had as Jet Set Radio. An amazing game. Yeah, that was a really fun kind of um, interesting like counterculture game, I guess mm-hmm. you would say. Um, it was kind of based on graffitiing things and uh, being a, a bit of a... Yeah, being a bit of a menace, you know, but uh, but an interesting game at the time. I thought I hadn't played much like it. Uh, you remember that game, um, uh, Sunset Overdrive? Mm-hmm. 
that has to have been inspired by that series a little bit, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was a fun one. Uh, moving on, um, a, a really good one. Resident Evil Code Veronica. Mm. A, an underrated entry in this series. Like, it was only released on the Dreamcast at first. I think it's available now on uh, other things. It's It's since been released on, like, Xbox and playstation and stuff like that but at the time you could only play it on dreamcast and i remember just being like i was a super huge fan of resident evil at the time mm -hmm. and this this was the game that came out between Two, resident evil like three, nemesis four. and yeah and four right yes it was the, it was the middle piece to that and it was it was the main story i think was told through chris redfield's sister's mm -hmm. uh point of view but then at the end of the game, Chris shows up and I was like, oh, yes, it was like such a cool reveal. Um, I really like that game and I need to play through it again because it's been forever. But uh, that was one I, I definitely have some real fond memories of. I, in fact, this one was came out when I still lived in New Jersey. I, it was in February. I moved to Birmingham in July. So, you know, some games, Jersey, some games, Birmingham, but the year still counts. Right, exactly. And, yeah. Did you did you play Code Veronica? Did oh, you like yeah. that one? Oh yeah, buddy. Oh yeah. Uh cool. It's really good and it it does sort of seem to be like the redheaded stepchild of Resident Evil games in a lot of way because like you can go on the Xbox or PlayStation store right now and get Resident Evil Zero, which was the GameCube exclusive prequel. You can get Resident mm -hmm. Evil One a remake of two and three. You can get the original version of four. There's a remake coming. You can get five, six, seven, and eight. You cannot get Code Veronica on a modern console. And I don't know why, because it is really good. Yeah, that is weird. I swore I saw it in like some store, in like the Xbox store maybe, but I, I must be like Mandela affecting myself. Maybe you're right and I'm wrong. I, I, I'm not, you know, that could be very, very well be the case, but it's if it's not available, it should be. Right, I agree. Um, next one, we'll just kind of... I'm going to start just naming some games. We don't have to talk about them all, but we had SSX. You mentioned that earlier. Terrific snowboarding game. Um, Quake 3 Arena came out that year, which was a, a fantastic first-person shooter. Mm -hmm. um, Skies of Arcadia, I never played. Did you play that one? I did. An excellent fucking RPG. A very expensive RPG. Uh, on the secondary market, originally came out on Dreamcast, and then a <clears throat> different version, like the same game, but like with some updates and stuff, came out on the GameCube later. Really good RPG. By the way, you can get Resident Evil Code Veronica on the Xbox. I'm an idiot. I just looked into okay, it. Cool. No, you're not an idiot. Sometimes you just you probably haven't searched for Code Veronica in years, so yeah, no need for you to worry about that one. Um, another RPG that I feel like is a little underrated that came out in 2000, Vagrant Story. Oh, <laughs> what a hard fucking JRPG, but it's I a know. good one. Yeah. It's really it's fucking tough. good, man. I never beat it. it. It beat my ass too bad. I think I'd made it like 10 or 12 hours in before I checked out on that one. But mm -hmm. I, the art style, I, art style in that game, I really, really liked. Yeah, and another one of those that if it was available for me to grab, I probably would try it again. Um, mm -hmm. Having some more, you know, JRPG and just gaming experience under my belt, I wonder if I would um, 
be able to grasp it a little better. Interesting thing about Vagrant Story, I believe it is another one of the um, square games that's set in the world of uh, Ivalice, mm-hmm. uh which is from... Final Fantasy Tactics. Final yeah. Fantasy Tactics, and then <clears throat> several other uh, uh, square games have taken place in the same world. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, oh, I guess let's it's see. not... Damn, I'm just wrong all over the place. I got to take an article <laughs> for the next episode. Fuck this. <laughs> um so we also had nba 2k1 um here's a big one even though i never played this but the sims came out in 2000 big one which just is a pretty big one yeah like um just in terms of its lasting impact on the um scene of video games um we also had virtua tennis which i will go to bat for seven days out of the week that was one of the most fun games that we played that year on Dreamcast, um, it virtual tennis Dreamcast, is fucking yeah. sick. It is such a good game. If you have a room full of friends to play that with, I, it, I challenge you to find a better time than that one. We would just be screaming at the TV by the end of it. Um, and we also had Mario Tennis come out that year, which I never played, but was I, you know, like most Nintendo things, I think pretty well received. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Some of our younger audience will like to know that Spyro Year of the Dragon came out in 2000. Excellent start to a franchise. A lot of people love that game. Mm -hmm. Um, Dead or Alive Hardcore, or Dead or Alive 2 Hardcore. You probably, did you play that on your PlayStation 2? The first, so I don't know if it was, the, the first Dead or Alive game I ever played was on my Dreamcast. Okay, that was this. That was Dead or Alive Two, I believe. Okay, which I had as well, and I liked that game. I mean, you know, Dead or Alive is definitely not even close to my favorite fighting franchise. It's probably not even top five, top ten, but you know, it has its it has some redeeming qualities. Yeah, now, yeah a couple of them. Boops. <laughs> now I... here, here, here. I, I don't. I don't even want to talk about Dead or Alive. I want to talk about the next game, which is also a fighting game, and probably. Oof, I've got two really good ones that came out this year, Uh-oh. and I'm not even talking about Dead or Alive. So this, the first one I'm going to bring at you is a little game called Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Oh, my God. How could you gonna doubt... take you for a ride. How could you fucking <laughs> doubt your year when Marvel vs. Was... Capcom 2 is on the list? That was my ace in the hole. Like, I figured that one was going to be the one that maybe... Knocked your shorts off. Um, yeah, I don't have the, shorts if on you anymore. Weren't, but definitely weren't not red hard shorts. <laughs> oh god, no, fuck that. Um, but man, what a what a great game Marvel vs. Capcom Two is. <laughs> a great game. I would play it now. Play it right now. Um, be happy. It's so crazy. Like on paper, like if you went back in time and told them, "Hey, they're going to do a crossover between Marvel characters and Street Fighter characters." Like, I know I would have been excited because my first, like, the first time I saw it was the original Marvel versus Capcom. I had never seen, like, the X Men Children of the Atom arcade cabinet or Me neither. Um, the Marvel mm-hmm. Superheroes cabinet. The first time I ever came across that crossover and became aware of it was the original Marvel versus Capcom. Seems like a weird thing to cross over, right? It's like if someone came in the room and said, We're going to cross over Final Fantasy and Disney characters. But boy, does it fucking work, man! It is such <laughs> does a good it. game. Uh, it came out on the Dreamcast, which which 
definitely floated my boat at the mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. But listen to this. I, I'm looking at this. I could. I, I was trying to think of how many characters, and I would have undershot it by a lot. It had 56 characters. Yeah. 56 characters, man. Yeah. And this isn't like some Smash Brothers shit. No shade to the Smash Brothers bros out there, but I feel like this game had a much better fighting engine in it than Smash Brothers does. Yeah. You know what I mean? And would be it would circle around in a, in a big way in our friendship when years later they put out Marvel versus Capcom 3. It took forever for them to release yep. a third one. And when they did, it was also very, very good. I think I like 2 a little better, but 3 is very good. I agree with you. I think 2 is the is the better game overall, but I, 3 was awesome. I had a good time with that one as well. Um, the other fighting game that I mentioned is the Dreamcast version of Street Fighter 3, um, which I put an absurd amount of hours into. Mm -hmm. um, me and our our buddy Rob. Ah, shout out Rob. Beat the hell out of each other in Street Fighter 3 for, forever. Like hours on hours. <laughs> Man, the, the Dreamcast I, controller was really good for fighting games too. Right, like it was weirdly, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, okay, let's let's examine it from the the viewpoint of you and I are sitting here. We got Xbox Series X, PlayStation Five in our living rooms. I feel like the PlayStation Five Dual Sense is a decent fighting game controller. I can do all right in it, but it's not perfect. Meaning, like if I had the option to get like a fight pad or an arcade stick, because I've been kind of looking at those with Street Fighter Six coming out soon. Um, uh, I would I would take that option same thing for the Xbox uh, I don't think the Xbox controller is a great fighting game controller but I can manage it but I would still much yeah. rather have some other type of controller I didn't need that with the Dreamcast the Dreamcast controller was perfect for fighting games yeah I never had any kind of issues with that I was able to do pretty much anything I wanted to with that controller it was it was just great for those games including um the game we were just talking about before marvel vs. cap marvel versus capcom 2 mm -hmm. sorry um power stone 2 also came out this year oh. for um the dreamcast the um and then i've got one more which is basically the the pile driver uh -oh. for my year and then we can if we want we can move over to your year there's still a bunch of stuff i mean there's no way we could talk about literally right. every video game that came out in the year 2000, right? Right. Um, you know, Counter-Strike came out that year. Um, uh, what else? Um, all the WWF No Mercy um, freaking Deus Ex came out that year. But the one that I really think is is, is a big one is Diablo 2, oh. which, uh, you know, is like pretty much a titan as far as like that that kind of game goes. Like they basically invented that type of game and diablo 2 in my mind was superior to diablo 1 in every single way possible there's not a single thing there's not a single thing that the original diablo did that diablo 2 didn't fucking do way better diablo 2 it much like how you know we were talking about like ssx to ssx tricky or tony hawk pro skater one to two diablo 2 is the real 
franchise entry that solidifies that franchise as the titan it is. Even to this day, where they're getting fucking whales to spend $100,000 on Diablo Immortal <laughs> microtransactions. Yeah. And I ain't hating, because last night when no. I was driving home, I asked Will to look in the Fortnite store with for me to tell me what was up in the Fortnite store. <laughs> um, I love it, man. But yeah, that Diablo 2 is incredible. The different cuz you know Diablo 1 was all set around Tristram and it, it was just going deeper and deeper into the fucking crust of the earth until you got down to the bowels of hell to fight Diablo. In Diablo 2, you could you could hire um NPCs to accompany you and fight alongside you. There were multiple regions. It introduced the best class in any one of these fucking uh, clicker mm. looter games, the necromancer. Necromancer, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, it, it it carried on the story of Diablo one in a really cool way. Such a fucking cool game, man. That's a big one. Diablo two is a real yeah, big definitely. one. Yeah, that was that was the one I wanted to end the list on. There, there's definitely other great games that came out that that year, like Lunar two came out oh. that year. Dino Crisis two, uh, EverQuest, The Ruins of Kunark, uh, Escape from Monkey Island. At least one of the chapters of it. Tech and Tag, um, all the sports titles that year. American McGee's Alice. You remember that douche, American McGee? I do. The first person shooter, Alice in Wonderland game. Yep. Um, Shogun Total War. I mean, I could, I literally could go on Star Wars Episode One: Battle for Naboo. Did you have that game? I sure did. It's not good. You don't even need to add. You should have even added that to the list because it's real bad. That was a sixty-four. That lost point. You 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 went too right, far. Yeah. You flew too close to the sun on wings made of Battle of Naboo. <laughs> but yeah, man, if I have to hang my hat on like Diablo two and Marvel versus Capcom two and Code Veronica, and, and there's Majora's lots of good Mask, stuff that yeah. came out. Yeah, it's a it's a good year. I feel like pretty solid. With it, the reason I say that you're gonna stomp me is because in my head some gigantic franchise came out in 2007, like. When we last compared years, I thought I had a good year. But then you're like, oh, yeah, my top two games are Grand Theft Auto 3 and Halo. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm dead. So <laughs> I didn't know. Well, I don't have that kind of game on my list. So Well, get ready. We're going to see. All right. Um, Let's go. So first one I want to pull out from 2007, a little game that came out on January 12th, very early in the year. Uh, start of a franchise, not a Titan franchise, but one that I feel like didn't get a fair shake and could have been way cooler and bigger than it was. And that's the first Lost Planet game. Oh, nice. The, nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's that one. I remember those games. Yep. <clears throat> Cap, Capcom franchise, um, sort of anime mech kind of deal. I remember I, I played a little of the first one. I mainly watched Will play it. And, and I will remember like, because this was before I had a 360, watching it and going, like, this seems kind of fucking cool, this game. Yeah, it gave me, like, John Carpenter's The Thing vibes yeah. almost a little bit. Yeah. You'd play it. These weird creatures that lived on the planet that you kind of had to go hunt. and um, um, Games were hard, too. They were difficult. They were. Uh, now, the next one. This is one I did play a lot. And one that sort of signaled my uh, ultimate end with this franchise, and that is World of Warcraft The Burning Crusade, the first World of Warcraft expansion. Mm -hmm. um, I was out at this point, yeah. so this is all you. I was not. This was the point where they added the Dra Draenei and the Blood Elves as playable characters. Uh, in 
in preparation for this, I Frankensteined a gaming PC together for Will so Will could play Burning Crusade with us on launch night. And I was so, so excited. This is also the same, uh, this is what caused uh, one of my favorite stories about my, our buddy Jeff to happen. Because we had a Ventrilo or Ventrio uh, voice server for playing World of Warcraft. And it doesn't do like, it didn't do like uh, Discord where it gave you an audio notification if someone popped on the server. So like one day I get done with work, I pull up my laptop, I'm about to play some Burning Crusade, I hop in the server and I come in mid-sentence to hear Jeff talking shit about how he's going to hit level 60 in Burning Crusade before me. Buddy, it was on. There ain't no work. There ain't no class. It's just World of Warcraft until I'm level 60, baby. Um, and you won that race I sure did then uh, a game that I have very little experience with and the only reason I don't have more experience with it is because it came out around Burning Crusade when I wasn't really doing a lot of console gaming I had my PS3 but what the fuck am I going to play on that well a game I could have played Rogue Galaxy on the Playstation 2 sort of a uh, sci-fi um, JRPG didn't spawn a franchise it's available as a download on the PlayStation 4 and 5 now I, I have it I have yet to play it but I have it um, in a game that I always thought looked really cool obviously a sci-fi JRPG just never ended up really getting into it um, but then February 5th of that year the best version of one of the best Final Fantasy games came out, and that's Final Fantasy VI Advance on the Game Boy Advance. Ooh, uh, nice. Look, that's a good one. I don't think this should weigh too heavily if people are deciding on who to vote on because this is a game that obviously came out way earlier. I just like to shout it out because I do think uh, it's the best version of Final Fantasy VI. The translation That's is fair. Yeah, the translation's a lot better. Um, you know, if I could choose any version of Final Fantasy VI to play, it would be this. Now, I haven't spent a lot of time with the Pixel Remaster, so that could change. But as of right now, I consider Final Fantasy VI Advance to be the best version of that game. Nice, buddy. I gotta digress real quick. I've been thinking about getting those Pixel Remasters just for the Steam Deck. You know, buddy. Why don't about- you? Why don't you? Do you know how many? fucking episodes we could do there's that's six episodes we could do you know what it only happens to be the 35th anniversary of final fantasy as a franchise this year nice um okay i'll put it on the wish list you should do that um (laughs) okay um february 20th the start of a franchise that would be nothing but a headache for the fucking brand of microsoft crackdown the original Crackdown came out. Oh, man. I love Crackdown. That I love the first Crackdown. Let's yep. put it that way. <laughs> Me too. And uh, interestingly enough, do you remember that if you got Crackdown, you got access to the Halo 3 beta? I sure do. Yeah. I think that was a big selling point for people and why so many people <laughs> ended up buying Crackdown. It sure was. It um, sure was. That was the that was the main reason I was interested in it was that beta, if I'm being honest. But mm-hmm, yeah. luckily the game the game was really fun. Um then um 
February 26th, Jade Empire. I think this is just the ver Windows version, though, because I think it had okay. already come out on the original Xbox at this point. So once again... Right, you know, yeah. Metal Gear Solid came out on PC in 2000 as well. I didn't want to, like... I, yeah, you know, I didn't call that. Yeah, I don't really just... think Jade Empire should count on my list since it is just the Windows port of it. But I do want to take a second to say that it is a criminally underrated Bioware RPG, Jade Empire. I agree. Um, okay. Um, let's see. What else do we have? Uh, <clears throat> Def Jam Icon. Ooh, fun one. On March 6th. I remember... You and I specifically playing the demo for Def Jam Icon on my PlayStation 3 down in John and Lauren's basement. I have a very vivid memory of doing that. Nice. I would have been interested for sure because I was a big fan of Def Jam Fight for New York. So. All right. Here's a real big one. March 13th, 2007, God of War 2 on the PlayStation 2. Ooh, yeah, that is a big one. One I never played. It's really good. It does for the God of War franchise what some of these other games, the follow-ups to, to some of these other games did, like Tony Hawk 2 and so on and so forth. A really You'd fucking good... you it was good... like a, a big jump. Yeah. And, like, it's it's one of those things where it's just fascinating to look back at it and go, oh, shit, that came out, like, five months after the PlayStation 3 launched. There were still giant games coming out on the PlayStation 2. And, you know, for the first couple of years, the PlayStation 3s were backwards compatible. So you could play PlayStation 2 games on them before they took that feature out of them as part of a initiative to drop the price of the console and try to repair the brand a little bit. But, yeah, five months after their new console is coming out, they're putting out one of the best games on their previous console. This is crazy to see. <laughs> um uh, oh, just uh, not that I think this um, this should uh, this is going to weigh heavily on anybody, but uh, I have the opportunity to shout out our boys at FromSoft. Armored Core Four came out March twentieth, nice. the day before my birthday that year. Um, Heck yeah! Then uh, let's see, Stalker, the original Stalker, Shadows of Chernobyl came out March twenty third on Windows, an incredible first person shooter. I remember being hyped on that before it came out, but um, at the, it was that game had gotten delayed like a lot. It sure by did. the time it had finally come out, I, I had quit PC gaming at that point, so never got to play it. <clears throat> um, wait, is this a From game as well? Yes, it is another From game announced, uh, uh, and it's not a good one. Enchanted Arms <laughs> on the PlayStation Three, a game that I was really looking forward to because it was an RPG of some sort to play on the PlayStation 3, and it was not a good one. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a good one. Yeah, like, pre-Miyazaki, my the only From series that I really like is Kingsfield. Um, obviously, once they made him the man, they, they became a juggernaut, but they, they had some, some questionable stuff in between there. <laughs> Definitely. Um, <clears throat> Etrian Odyssey. Etrian Odyssey, uh, a huge... Um, RPG, RPG series, a really hardcore one that's more of like a dungeon, first person dungeon crawler maze RPG. Not my particular type of jam when it comes to a JRPG, but I think it, it needs to be shouted out because it is a, a series that's pretty fucking big. Um, 
just not my particular brand of RPG that I enjoy. I can't be fucking mapping shit out on graph paper while I'm trying to play a video game. <laughs> um, let's see. More, oh, this one's real bad. Mortal Kombat Armageddon. One of the shitty 3D Mortal Kombats that they attempted. Shoo. Um, Man, yeah, yeah. Ed Boon would like to erase like about ten years of Mortal Kombat history if he could. For real, for real, no doubt about that. Um, there was another big one. Um, it's so my year is so weird because there's so many platforms in play. Like I said, I, I called out a damn Game Boy Advance game at the beginning of this. Um, Ninja Gaiden Sigma which was kind of just the remake of, or not remake, the port of Ninja Gaiden from Xbox to PlayStation 3. Hard as fuck, that game. Hard as oh hell. Oh my gosh, so hard. They found yeah. a way to replicate the difficulty of the NES and arcade versions of those games in 3D in a really cool way, but goddamn are they hard. Yeah, that was Team Ninja, I believe, mm-hmm. the developers. Um, let's see. Lots of... Um, re-releases on the PSP. They started doing like uh, anniversary re-releases of the Final Fantasy games. You know, not anything that I would consider having actually came out in this year, right? Re-releases are weird like that. Unless it's a completely different game. So like, okay, we should hash this out because this might be something that we encounter in the future doing these. For instance... I would consider the original release of Resident Evil 2 and the Resident Evil 2 remake two separate games. So if we were to, of course. right? So if we were able to use those or if we were doing those years, I think either one of us could say like Resident Evil 2 because it's mm-hmm. so different and it's so redone. But you know, these were just sort of packaged ports of the Final Fantasy games on the PSP. Um let's see. Persona 3 on the PlayStation 2. Persona 3 is... That's the game that I first became aware of the Persona franchise. I had nothing... No knowledge of it before, from 1 and 2, right? If I did, it was something that just never stuck. Persona 3 is the first one... And by the way, came out in August. We're almost at a year into the PlayStation 3's lifespan at this point. Persona 3 is an incredible fucking JRPG. I, You know... Once again, is this this is going to be one of those issues of does it hold up? Because four and five are so good. I don't know if I go back and play three. I'm like, ah, this isn't that great. But it is one of the ones that's going to be coming, um, getting re-released on consoles as big as a part of that whole Persona thing they announced back during E3. <clears throat> so we'll have the uh, opportunity to check it out and see if it's just as good. But it is, and it is dark. I think it might be darker than 4 and 5. And 4 and 5 are pretty dark at parts. Definitely. Now, if you want to talk about a motherfucking franchise that launched into the stratosphere with its initial release on August 21st of 2007, a little game called Bioshock is released. There's your there's your cornerstone. Mm, nope, I got more coming, buddy. Yeah, I know I'm I'm sitting here and he's like <laughs> Steve's like, I don't know. I guess it sounds okay. You're right. slow it's, rolling me. Yep. Yeah, you're slow rolling me. Yep. Bioshock comes out on August twenty first. A spiritual successor to System Shock. 
a incredible oh, God, I game. Love System Shock. So, okay, in August, when this game would have come out, I, this would have been around the time that I made the decision that I'm going to get a Xbox 360 at some point. I've, I have already moved to Birmingham at this point because I remember you telling me, I just picked up Bioshock today and it's incredible. Sucks that you can't play it because you have a PlayStation 3. <laughs> Which it would, it would later come out on PlayStation 3 as well. But what an incredible fucking game. What an incredible setting the city of Rapture is. The music, the sound design, the character design, the art style. Everything about that game is fucking perfect. And the fact that it has been this long without an entry in the Bio Bioshock series is insane to me. Insane. Yeah, it's pretty silly. It's pretty silly. Um, say what you want about Bioshock Infinite, and I have. You know, I'm I'm on record as being like not a, as huge of a fan of that game as mm -hmm. probably some people, but it still wasn't like a terrible game. It wasn't enough to like torpedo the franchise. You know, I feel like that that franchise still has plenty of legs, and it should be revisited. All right. <laughs> I'm not. I don't even. I don't even think they need to reboot it. You know what I mean? Which is going to be somebody's somebody's going to be tempted to do that soon. Oh, there's something we already know. We know for a fact that there's something in the works Bioshock related that's been worked on quietly. Obviously, old Ken Levine isn't involved, so that's always a risk they're going to take. But there will be some. There is a new Bioshock game in the works. It's just a matter of whenever that shit's going to come out and if it's going to be any good. Um. All right, another game. Uh, obviously this does not stand on the shoulders of Bioshock, but this was back in the day when I was constantly getting kicked in the nuts about Xbox, Xbox wins because they had two games in their upcoming lineup that were driving me crazy that I wasn't going to have access to. And one of those games was a game called Blue Dragon, right? It was uh, a JRPG developed by Mistwalker Studios, which was a studio started by Hironobu Sakaguchi, the creator of Final Fantasy. He left Square and started up his own studio, Mistwalker, and they had two games in development, and both were 360 exclusives. It drove me crazy, my dude. Drove me crazy. <laughs> I had to feel how it what kind of like when you got your Nintendo 64 and realized that yep. Final Fantasy VII was coming on the PlayStation. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, uh, also, in, in collaboration, Blue Dragon with Akira Toriyama again. Um, it is, it's okay, right? Like, it is... Yeah, I never played it. I played it years later, like when I finally had a, a 360, I got a used copy of it. And it's pretty good, it's okay. I never beat it. It never was able to get its hooks in me to the point where I was like, well, I've got to finish this. But it was pretty good. Um, I bought it for like probably $2.50 within the last year on an Xbox sale and played a little of it. And it definitely suffers a bit from that early 360 muddiness to the graphics, you know? Um, but interesting, like such a fascinating thought that like, you know, for years after the 360, Microsoft struggled with the relationship with Japanese developers. If you wanted to play JRPGs, you probably needed to have a PlayStation. And it's crazy to think that back in 2007 or, or earlier, they were making deals 
with huge Japanese creators to get those games exclusively on their consoles. All right. What's my next one? All right. Uh, then, uh, oh, all right. So this is not a game that's going to win me any points. I just want to talk about the utter disappointment. This was going to be my fucking saving grace on the PlayStation 3, Steve. In fact, I'm sure you <laughs> had to hear me talk about this game quite a lot. It was developed by a little studio known as Factor 5. Factor 5, what did they do? The Rogue Squadron games on... 64 and GameCube, some of my favorite games. And they were developing an a game based around original IP where you weren't flying X-Wings and shit. You were flying on the back of a giant dragon. And that was a game called Lair. Oh, I remember Lair. And yep. Lair, for some reason, they just leaned really hard into that whole six-axis motion control thing with the PlayStation 3. It controlled like garbage. It looked pretty good from what I remember. I bought it day one. I was a sucker. It just was not It was not fun to control. It wasn't fun to play. Years later, or not even years, but a little while down the road, I think they went in and patched it to where you could just play it with normal controls, but I never went back. I was so disappointed in Lair that I never went back. But I was very excited for that game. In yeah, the, I, um, remember, uh, I remember being excited... Or thinking that it looked cool in the previews. Mm -hmm. I don't. Did we? Did we ever play that one? Did I ever play that over at your place with you? You might. I don't know if you ever played it, but I remember you at least watching me play it and laughing about how janky it was. <laughs> Rightfully so. <laughs> um, then okay. Yeah. Now as we get closer towards the end of the year, you start to see the PlayStation Three heat up a little and, and release some stuff. Heavenly Sword comes out on the PlayStation in September twelfth. That is a Ninja Theory game um, that was actually a pretty fucking fun game, by the way. Um, that, you know, Ninja Theory would then go on years later to make like that D, uh, Devil May Cry remake. And then obviously a big one for them and that they're working on currently is the Hellblade. Yeah. Hellblade uh, series. Um and then I never played Heavenly. I never played Heavenly Sword, uh, but that was one I remember thinking that one looked really cool. It was really cool. It was was it a system seller for the PlayStation Three? Absolutely not. But it was nice to have something that looked really cool, that played really tightly, that was fun, um, out on the PlayStation Three. Finally, um, all right. Now we're getting into. Uh, we're getting into dangerous territory here, my dude. A game that we both put a ton of time in. In fact, I would say that our friendship in a lot of ways was molded around this one singular game. A game that still influences our gaming together today. And that's on September 25th when Halo 3 releases on the Xbox yep, 360. I, I knew that you were about to say Halo 3. <laughs> it, is, it is my favorite Halo game. And it is mine too. I think the you know I think that campaign is really fun and good, but the real the real reason I love Halo Three so much is the multiplayer. I th I think it's still got to be the one I've put the most time in. I just love Halo Three. It's what made me fall in love with the franchise, and I've been along for the ride ever since. Right, man. I, like like I told you before, I didn't get into the 
online land or the land party thing that was happening with halo 2 mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I, halo 3 was the on the 360 which had they made internet gaming easy and so that was the first one of those i actually played the multiplayer and i like had magic moments like right away and would that that i would be at work the next day just thinking about the fucking sick kills i had the yep. night before and i couldn't wait to go go home and and text you and be like yo dude you want to play some halo and the answer was always <laughs> yes and, a yep. lot, and and also for the record halo 3 we played in person together split screen an insane amount of time an insane oh, yeah. Yeah. amount we spent playing halo 3 online together split screen just an incredible game up. like it's it I, like i said i consider it a, a big part in building mine and steve's friendship halo 3 and that's probably a big reason why it's my favorite um, it's just because yeah. of the memories I have playing Halo 3 with Steve and Will. But, you know, at a certain point, Will moved on to your Modern Warfares and your Bad Company 2s and shit like that. And Steve and I were still playing Halo 3. So, mm-hmm. then another big one. in October On October 10th, the Orange Box releases on the 360. Ooh. The Orange Box Man. featured Half-Life 2, Half-Life 2 Episodes 1 and 2. Portal, the debut of the Portal franchise, and Team Fortress 2. An incredible package. I don't even really think you can count the Half-Life 2 portion because, you know, it was previously released. Um, it's okay. Like, it's it was the first time available on console, yeah, which and, I think was a bigger deal. And you know? it worked really well on the console. And then what else can you say about Portal other than it is incredibly inventive it is incredibly it is amazing franchise that all started as sort of like a toss-in package on the uh, toss-in game on the uh, the uh, the orange box and and you can call me a hipster you can call me a hipster all you want but I kind of prefer that Portal to Portal 2 I've never played Portal 2 I played Portal 1 and loved it but I never played the sequel I mean Portal 2 is really good as well I just feel like the um, kind of going through it for the first time and not kind of knowing what was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you play through the second one, kind of knowing what happened in the first one, it kind of takes some of that m- mystery away a little bit. It's mm-hmm. still fun, but like to me, I was just enraptured in the the first Portal. I thought it was so cool. <laughs> um, Love that game. October twenty eighth, you have Guitar Hero three: Legends of Rock. Not as good nice. as Guitar Hero 2, but another game we played a lot of was Guitar Hero 3 on my PlayStation 3. Um, mm-hmm. Then, October 30th, The Witcher. The start the of The Witcher, Witcher frame. Yep. The first one? The first one. Comes out nice. on Windows October 30th of 2007. Definitely not a great game. But an no, important but it's, game. It's notable. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely worth noting that that came out that year. Mm-hmm. A game that I have never been a fan of. Peace and love to all our fucking, you know, gun nuts and 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 military bros out there. But you, it, I can't go without mentioning that on November fifth, two thousand and seven, Call of Duty Four Modern Warfare, Warfare comes out. It is the game that rock that like shoots that franchise into the stratosphere. It is the reason that there is still Call of Duty games today is Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. Yeah, and I played it as well. Like, I got into that game for a little bit um, and then eventually went back to Halo. But when that came out, I was really um, taken by it and the multiplayer. 
I thought the campaign was fun. I still think the Call of Duty campaigns are generally good. Well, yeah, I mean, I they're very. One in forever, but... Yeah, they generally are pretty good. I have to give that to them. Um, but I did kind of get tired of the multiplayer after a while. You know, like it, it kind of wore off on me after like a month or two, and I went yeah. Halo again. November twelfth, Super Mario Galaxy, the first three D Mario entry on the Wii, an incredible game that I didn't get to. Um, experience for years because I never had a Wii until they did that re-release on the Switch. And it is amazing. Super Mario Galaxy is incredible. Super Mario in space? Fucking sign me up, bro. That's like a critically acclaimed one, like most of them. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so, a very good one. Um, hey, man, do you remember people asking you uh, if, your, uh, if your computer could run Crisis? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I guess it was that year that yeah. they were asking that question. <laughs> November 15th crisis comes out on um Windows. November 16th, the original Assassin's Creed. Ooh. The start of the Assassin's Creed franchise. Oh. A game that Steve and I were both hyped about, right? Oh, and big time. I remember the day Assassin's Creed came over, Steve came over to hang out. I think you guys might have been band doing band practice in the basement that day for some reason, right? Probably. And I was sitting in the room next to the band room um, playing Assassin's Creed 3, and you were watching, and you're going like, hey, man, I'm not trying to be a dick, but I feel like this game runs a little better on the 360 because I was playing on my PlayStation 3. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, sure, probably is. For all I know, that's just my luck, blah, blah, blah. And then I go over to Steve's at some point, and he's playing uh, Assassin's Creed on 360, and it definitely ran better on the 360. <laughs> that's wild i don't remember that i'm glad you told that story just for that reason but like it's weird to me that that it would have been that way you know well like it seems like the the playstation 3 wasn't it technically stronger than the xbox 360 it was absolutely the stronger console but it was so fucking weird and they had people had trouble programming for it that was a big hurdle that uh the playstation 3 had as far as developers were concerned it was incredibly difficult to program for which meant you know Games weren't, especially in the early years, weren't as optimized as they were for other systems. Right. Uh, November. You said this was Assassin's. Did you said that was Assassin's Creed one or three? Because you said one. Assassin's Creed three. Oh, okay. I didn't right, mean cool. uh, I fucked that up. Then yeah, it it's was... all good. I just wanted to clarify because I hundred percented that first Assassin's Creed game, but I did not hundred percent the third one. So that's um, and then okay, we have two other franchises. Well, three other franchises that debut in this year. This is crazy. Okay. The first Uncharted game comes out on on November 19th of that year. Another nice PlayStation 3 exclusive to look forward to. I've, you know, I've played Uncharted 1. It is the start of a franchise, but it's definitely not what Uncharted would become down the road. It's that first one's still I pretty rough. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's, in my opinion, that first one is rough. Yeah, it's at the time I imagine I would have enjoyed it more, uh, but it, it grew into something awesome mm-hmm. like the second game is amazing then on november 20th the game that finally broke me and said fuck it i'm getting an xbox 360 mass effect <laughs> mass effect fuck yeah the game that made uh, the combination of gears of war halo 3 and mass effect were too much i then i, I could handle i had to get one so um 
we did a whole episode about Mass Effect. I don't have anything more to say. It's one of my favorite franchises. That first game's really good. And I'm so happy I got an Xbox 360 in Mass Effect. Um, yep. And if then, you want to hear our story about Mass Effect, go <laughs> listen to our Mass Effect episode. On the same day that Mass Effect releases, you know what else releases, Steve? Rock Band. No shit. Yep. Damn, I didn't know it was the same day. Another game that played a pivotal role in mine and Steve's friendship. Yep. I got it for Christmas that year. You should, You texted me on Christmas morning being like, I got Rock Band. And I was like, I'm coming to hang out whenever you get home. <laughs> December 6th, Lost Odyssey, the second Mistwalker game that was exclusive to the 360. Mm. Some people actually mm -hmm. consider Lost Odyssey to be the real Final Fantasy 13. I think that's taking it a little far, far, but it is a really good, neat game. Um, and then, yep, that does it for me. That does it. That's the end of my year, because on December 26th, SpongeBob SquarePants Underpants Slam comes out, and I don't know shit about that game. <laughs> underpants slam well it was a good year man mm -hmm. i think i think we both had good years you had some real tentpole franchises getting their their start yeah yeah in your year and uh i mean the fact that you had bioshock i think that might be well halo 3 i think of all the years of all the games we talked about today halo 3 would probably be my top game i mean there's some really good games on both lists for sure. Mm -hmm. So guys, listen, you know how we do this. We'll post the episode. When the episode comes out, go to our Twitter account and in a tweet thread below the the tweet for this episode, there'll be a poll. Which year was better for video games? 2000 or 2007? Let us know. Vote. Vote on those. <laughs> While you're on Twitter, you should follow Steve at Stone Cobra. You can follow me at Blue Harvest Pod. You can follow the podcast at High Potion Pod. Send us an email. What games from 2000 or 2007 stand out to you? Any crazy memories? Any games that we overlooked that we should have brought up? Highpotionpodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a review, please. Please. Or else, or else every episode is going to be like last episode. That's the only way I'll be able to deal with the disappointment of not getting reviews from you guys. But uh, yeah, I love I love the um, end of episode guilt trip you throw out there every time. It's one of my favorite bits. Before long, it's going to get real dark. It's going to get real <laughs> dark. I'm going to be starting to threaten the kind of shit that a melted ass Elmer Fudd motherfucker might start threatening. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you soon. Take care, guys. Bye. Ah!